Hello Shanks. Welcome to yet another episode of the Mason podcast. Last time we left it how Albie had just started the changing and he was screaming. And now we are going to continue from there with chapter 23. Thomas wondered long and hard about Albie. It would seem such a victory just to save his life, bring him back from a night in the maze. But had it been worth it? Now the boy was in intense pain, going through the same things as Ben. And what if he became as psychotic as Ben? Troubling thoughts all around. Twilight fell upon the glade and Albie's screams continued to haunt the air. It was impossible to escape the terrible sound even after Thomas finally talked the medjacks into letting him go. Very sore, bandaged, but tired of the piercing, agonized wails of their leader. Newt had adamantly refused when Thomas asked to see the person he had risked his life for. It will only make it worse, he'd said, and would not be swayed. Thomas was too tired to put up a fight. He'd had no idea it was possible to feel so exhausted. Despite the few hours of sleep he'd gotten, he'd heard too much to do anything after that and had spent most of the day on a bench on the outskirts of the deadheads, wallowing in despair. The elation of his escape had faded rapidly, leaving him with pain and thoughts of his new life in the glade. Every muscle aged, cuts and bruises covered him from head to toe. But even that wasn't as bad as the heavy emotional weight of what he'd been through the previous night. It seemed as if all the realities of living there had finally settled in his mind, like hearing a final diagnosis of terminal cancer. I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. Final diagnosis of terminal cancer. I mean, he does not even remember his life before the maze. How does he know what what it feels like to hear a final diagnosis of terminal cancer? <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, let's continue with hearing Thomas's thoughts. How could anyone ever be happy in a life like this, he thought. Then, how could anyone be evil enough to do this to us? He understood more than ever the passion the gladers felt for finding their way out of the maze. It wasn't just a matter of escape. For the first time, he felt a hunger to get revenge on the people responsible for sending him there. But those thoughts just led back to the hopelessness that had filled him so many times already. If Newt and the others hadn't been able to solve the maze after two years of searching, it seemed impossible there could actually be a solution. The fact that the gladers hadn't given up said more about these people than anything else. And now, he was one of them. This is my life, he thought, living in a giant maze surrounded by hideous beasts. Sadness filled him like a heavy poison. Albie screams. Now distant but still audible, only made it worse. He had to squeeze his hands to his ears every time he heard them. Eventually, the day dragged to a close and the setting of the sun brought the now familiar grinding of the four doors closing for the night. Thomas had no memory of his life before the box, but he was positive he had finished the worst 24 hours of his existence. Just after dark, Chuck brought him some dinner and a big glass of cold water. Thanks, Thomas said, feeling a burst of warmth for the kid. He scooped the beef and noodles off the plate as fast as his aching arms could move. 
I so needed this. He mumbled through a huge bite. He took a big swig of his drink and then went back to attacking the food. He hadn't realized how hungry he was until he had started eating. You are disgusting when you eat, Chuck said, sitting on the bench next to him. It's like watching a starving pig eat his own clunk. That's funny, Thomas said, sarcasm raising his voice. You should go entertain the grievers. See if they laugh. A quick expression of hurt flashed across Chuck's face, making Thomas feel bad, but vanished almost as fast as it had appeared. That reminds me, you're the talk of the town. Thomas sat up straighter, not sure how he felt about the news. What's that supposed to mean? Oh, gee, let me think. First, you go out in the maze when you're not supposed to at night. Then you turn into some kind of freaky jungle dude, climbing vines and tying people up on walls. Next, you become one of the first people ever to survive an entire night outside the glade. And to top it all off, you kill four grievers. Can't imagine what those shanks are talking about. A surge of pride filled Thomas's body, then fizzled. Thomas was sickened by the happiness he'd just felt. Albie was still in bed, screaming his head off in pain, probably wishing he were dead. Tricking them to go over the cliff was Minho's idea, not mine. Not according to him. He saw you do the wait and dive thingy. Then had the idea to do the same thing at the cliff. The wait and dive thingy, Thomas asked, rolling his eyes. Any idiot on the planet would have done that. Don't get all humbly bumbly on us. What you did is freaking unbelievable. You and Minho both. Thomas tossed the empty plate on the ground, suddenly angry. Then why do I feel so crappy, Chuck? Wanna answer me that? Thomas searched Chuck's face for an answer, but by the looks of it, he didn't have one. The boy just sat clasping his hands as he leaned forward on his knees, head hanging. Finally, half under his breath, he murmured. Same reason we all feel crappy. They sat in silence until, a few minutes later, Newt walked up, looking like death on two feet. He sat on the ground in front of them, as sad and worried as any person could possibly appear. My heart is breaking at that thought. Still, Thomas was glad to have him around. I think the worst part's over, Newt said. The bugger should be sleeping for a couple of days, then wake up okay. Maybe a little screaming now and then. Thomas couldn't imagine how bad the whole ordeal must be. But the whole process of the changing was still a mystery to him. He turned to the older boy, trying his best to be casual. Newt, what's he going through up there? Seriously, I don't get what this changing thing is. Newt's response startled Thomas. You think we do? He spat, throwing his arms up, then slapping them back down on his knees. All we bloody know is if the grievers sting you with their nasty needles, you inject the grief serum or you die. If you do get the serum, then your body wicks out and shakes and your skin bubbles and turns a freaky green colour and you vomit all over yourself. Enough explanation for you are there, Tommy. Thomas frowned. He didn't want to make Newt any more upset than he already was. But he needed answers. Hey, I know it sucks to see your friend go through that, but I just want to know what's really happening up there. Why do you call it changing? Newt relaxed, seemed to shrink even, and sighed. 
It brings back memories. Just little snippets, but definite memories of before we came to this horrible place. Anyone who goes to it acts like a bloody psycho when it's over. Although usually not as bad as poor Ben. Anyway, it's like being given your old life back, only to have it snatched away again. Thomas's mind was churning. Are you sure? he asked. Newt looked confused. What do you mean? Sure about what? Are they changed because they want to go back to their old lives? Or is it because they are so depressed at realizing their old life is no better than what we have now? Newt stared at him for a second, then looked away, seemingly deep in thought. Shanks, who have been through it, never really talk about it. They get different, unlikable. There's a handful around the glade, but I can't stand to be around them. His voice was distant, his eyes having strayed to a satian blank spot in the woods. Thomas knew he was thinking about how Albie might never be the same again. Tell me about it, Chuck chimed in. Galley's the worst of them all. Anything new on the girl? Thomas asked, changing the subject. He was in no mood to talk about Galley. Plus, his thoughts kept going back to her. I saw the medjacks feeding her upstairs. No, Newt answered. Still in the bug and coma, or whatever it is. Every once in a while, she will mumble something nonsense like she's dreaming. She takes the food, seems to be doing alright. It's kind of weird. A long pause followed, as if the three of them were trying to come up with an explanation for the girl. Thomas wondered again about his inexplicable feelings of connection with her, though it had faded a little, but that could have been because of everything else occupying his thoughts. Newt finally broke the silence. Anyway, next up, figure out what we do with Tommy here. Thomas perked up at that, confused by the statement. Do with me? What are you talking about? Newt stood, stretched his arms. Turned this whole place upside down, you bloody shank. Half the gladers think you are God. The other half wanna throw your butt down the box hole. Lot of stuff to talk about. Like what? Thomas didn't know which was more unsettling. That people thought he was some kind of hero, or that some wished he didn't exist. Patience, Newt said. You will find out after the wake-up. Tomorrow. Why? Thomas didn't like the sound of this. I've called a gathering, and you'll be there. You are the only bugging thing on the agenda. And with that, he turned and walked away, leaving Thomas to wonder why in the world a gathering was needed just to talk about him. That was chapter 23. The most funny thing there was like half the people think that Thomas is God and other half want to throw him down the box. And he's the talk of the town or the talk of the grade, whatever. I mean, of course, he's the protagonist of the story, so we're going to be hearing all about him. He's the main hero over here. Let's continue with chapter 23. This one is damn amazing. We have a gathering here, a gathering of all the keepers. Yeah, like it's it's official meeting, you know, do you remember? A gathering is an official meeting of the keepers of different kinds of jobs in the glade. Yeah. Let's start with chapter 24 then. The next morning, Thomas found himself sitting in a chair, 
worried and anxious, sweating, facing eleven other boys. They were seated in chairs arranged in a semicircle around him. Once settled, he realized they were the keepers, and to his chagrin, that meant Gally was among them. One chair directly in front of Thomas stood empty, and he didn't need to be told that it was Albie's. They sat in a large room of the homestead that Thomas hadn't been in before. Besides the chairs, there was no other furniture except for a small table in the corner. The walls were made of wood, as was the floor, and it didn't look like anyone had ever attempted to make the place look inviting. There were no windows. The room smelled of mild tube and old books. Thomas wasn't cold, but shivered all the same. He was at least relieved that Newt was there. He sat in the chair to the right of Albie's empty seat. In place of our leader's second bed, I declare this gathering begun, he said with a subtle roll of his eyes as if he hated anything approaching formality. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think Newt hated formality, but Albie was all about formality. And he always started the gatherings formally. That's why to keep the tradition going, Newt also started the gathering formally. Let's continue. As you all know, the last few days have been bloody crazy and quite a bit seems centered around our green bean, Tommy, seated before us. Thomas's face flushed with embarrassment. He's not the greeny anymore, Gally said, his scratchy voice so low and cruel it was almost comical. He's just a rule breaker now. This started off a rumbling of murmurs and whispers but Newt shushed them. Thomas suddenly wanted to be as far from that room as possible. Gally, Newt said, try to keep some bug and order here. If you are gonna blabber your shut mouth every time I say something, you can go ahead and bloody leave, because I'm not in a very cheerful mood. Thomas wished he could cheer at that. Gally folded his arms and leaned back in his chair, the scowl on his face so forced that Thomas almost laughed out loud. He was having a harder and harder time believing he had been terrified of this guy just a day earlier. He seemed silly, even pathetic now. Newt gave Gally a hard stare, then continued. Glad we got that out of the way. Another rule of the Ikes. Reason we are here is because almost every eleven kid in the glade has come up to me in the last year or two either boohooing about Thomas or begging to take his bloody hand in marriage. We need to decide what we are going to do with him. Gally leaned forward, but Newt cut him off before he could say anything. You will have your chance, Gally, one at a time. And Tommy, you are not allowed to say a bugging thing until we ask you to. Good that? He waited for a nod of consent from Thomas, who gave it reluctantly and pointed to the kid in the chair on the far side. Zard the fart, you start. <laughs> That's poetry. Newt's a good poet, I think. There were a few snickers as Zard, the quiet, big guy who watched over the gardens, shifted in his seat. He looked to Thomas more out of place than a carrot on a tomato plant. The sense of humor is amazing in this book. In every James National book, to be honest. Let's continue. Well, Zard began, his eyes darting around, almost like he was waiting for someone else to tell him what to say. 
I don't know. He broke one of our most important rules. We can't just let people think that's okay. He paused and looked down at his hands, rubbing them together. But then again, he's changed things. Now we know we can survive out there and that we can beat the creepers. Relief flooded Thomas. He had someone else on his side. He made a promise to himself to be extra nice to Zach. Oh, give me a break, Callie spurted. I bet Minho's the one who actually got rid of the stupid things. Callie, shut your hole, Newt yelled. Standing for effect this time. Once again, Thomas felt like cheering. I'm the bloody chair right now, and if I hear one more bugging word out of turn from you, I will be arranging another banishing for your sorry butt. Please, Callie whispered sarcastically, the ridiculous calm returning as he slouched back into his chair. Newt sat down and motioned to Zart. Is that it? Any official recommendations? Zart shook his head. Okay, you're next, Frypan. The cook smiled through his beard and sat up straighter. Shanks got more guts than I fried up from every pig and cow in the last year. He paused, as if expecting a laugh, but none came. I mean, to be honest, I think Frypan has been thinking of that line ever since the gathering started. You know, an interesting beginning. But he got no laughter. That's really sad. How stupid is this? He saves Albie's life, kills a couple of grievers, and we are sitting here yapping about what to do with him. As Chuck would say, this is a pile of plunk. Thomas wanted to walk over and shake Frypan's hand. He had just said exactly what Thomas himself had been thinking about all of this. So what are you recommending? Newt asked. Frypan folded his arms. Put him on the freaking council and have him train us on everything he did out there. Voices erupted from every direction and it took Newt half a minute to calm everyone down. Thomas winced. Frypan had gone too far with that recommendation almost invalidating his well-stated opinion of the whole mess. All right, writing her down, Newt said as he did just that, scribbling on a notepad. Now, everyone keep their bloody mouths shut. I mean it. You know the rules. No ideas, unacceptable. And you will all have your say when we vote on it. He finished writing and pointed to the third member of the council. A kid Thomas hadn't met yet with black hair and a freckly face. I don't really have an opinion, he said. What? Newt asked angrily. Lot of good it did to choose you for the council, then. Sorry, I honestly don't, he shrugged. If anything, I agree with Frypan, I guess. Why punish a guy for saving someone's life? So, you do have an opinion, is that it? Newt insisted, pencil in hand. The kid nodded and Newt scribbled a note. Thomas was feeling more and more relieved. It seemed like most of the keepers were for him, not against him. Still, he was having a hard time just sitting there. He desperately wanted to speak on his own behalf, but he forced himself to follow Newt's orders and keep quiet. Next was Aknik Award Winston, keeper of the Blood House. I think he should be punished. No offense, Greeny, but Newt, you're the one who's always harping about order. If we don't punish him, we will set a bad example. He broke our number one rule. Okay, Newt said, writing on his pad. So you are recommending punishment. What kind? I think he should be put in the slammer for a week with only bread and water. 
and we need to make sure everyone knows about it so they don't get any ideas. Yali clapped, earning a scowl from Newt. Thomas's heart fell just a bit. Two more keepers spoke, one for Frypan's idea, one for Winston's. Then it was Newt's turn. I agree with the lot of ya. He should be punished, but then we need to figure out a way to use him. I am reserving my recommendation until I hear everyone out. Next. Thomas hated all this talk about punishment, even more than he hated having to keep his mouth shut. But deep inside, he could not bring himself to disagree. As odd as it seemed after what he had accomplished, he had broken a major rule. Down the line they went. Some thought he should be praised, some thought he should be punished, or both. Thomas could barely listen any more, anticipating the comments from the last two keepers, Jally and Minhoop. The latter hadn't said a word since Thomas had entered the room. He just sat there, drooped in his chair, looking like he hadn't slept in a week. Yali went first. I think I have made my opinions pretty clear already. Great, Thomas thought. Then just keep your mouth shut. Good that, Newt said, yet another rule of the Ikes. Go on then, Minho. No, Yali yelled, making a couple of keepers jump in their seats. I still want to say something. Then bloody say it, Newt replied. It made Thomas feel a little better that the temporary council chair despised Gally almost as much as he did. Though Thomas wasn't that afraid of him anymore, he still hated the guy's guts. Just think about it, Gally began. This linthead comes up in the box, acting all confused and scared. A few days later, he's running around the maze with grievers, acting like he owns the place. Thomas shrank into his chair, hoping that others hadn't been thinking anything like that. Gally continued his rant. I think it was all an act. How could he have done what he did out there after just a few days? I ain't buying it. What are you trying to say, Gally? Newt asked. How about having a bloody points? I think he's a spy from the people who put us here. Another uproar exploded in the room. Thomas could do nothing but shake his head. He just didn't get how Gally could come up with all these ideas. Newt finally calmed everyone down again, but Gally wasn't finished. We can't trust this sham, he continued. Day after he shows up, a psycho girl comes, spouting off that things are gonna change, clutching that freaky note. We find a dead griever. Thomas conveniently finds himself in the maze for the night, then tries to convince everyone he's a hero. Well... Neither Minho nor anyone else actually saw him do anything in the wines. How do we know it was the greenie who tied Albi up there? Gally paused. No one said a word for several seconds and panic rose inside Thomas's chest. Could they actually believe what Gally was saying? He was anxious to defend himself and almost broke his silence for the first time. But before he could get a word in, Gally was talking again. There's too many weird things going on and it all started... When this shock-faced greenie showed up, and he just happens to be the first person to survive a night out in the maze. Something ain't right, and until we figure it out, I officially recommend that we lock his butt in the slammer for a month, and then have another review. More rumblings broke out, and Newt wrote something on his pad, shaking his head the whole time, which gave Thomas a tinge of hope. Finished, Captain Galley? Newt asked. Quit being such a smart aleck, Newt. He spat his face flushing red. I'm dead serious. How can we trust this shank after less than a week? 
Quit voting me down before you even think about what I'm saying. For the first time, Thomas felt a little empathy for Gally. He did have a point about how Newt was treating him. Gally was a keeper after all. But I still hate him, Thomas thought. Fine, Gally, Newt said. I'm sorry, we heard you and we will all consider your bloody recommendation. Are you done? Yes, I am done and I am right. With no more words for Gally, Newt pointed at Minho. Go ahead. Last but not least. Thomas was elated that it was finally Minho's turn. Surely he'd defend him to the end. Minho stood quickly, taking everyone off guard. I was out there. I saw what this guy did. He stayed strong while I turned into a panty-wearing chicken. No blabbing on and on like Gally. I want to say my recommendation and be done with it. Thomas held his breath, wondering what he would say. Good that, Newt said. Tell us then. Minho looked at Thomas. I nominate the shank to replace me as keeper of the runners. Voila. Thomas as the keeper of the runners. Ooh. That's something, isn't it? That is something. But unfortunately, I will have to leave you guys here at the cliffhanger. And I will see you next Sunday to see if Thomas really becomes the keeper of runners. It's something to think about, isn't it? I wonder what will happen, don't you? <laughs>